All right, take your Bibles if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 should be easy to find. Begin reading in just a moment in verse 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read more than just verse 1. All right? Genesis 1 1. So if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Good to see you back tonight. I'm glad you made it. And I trust you're following along with us reading the Bible through this year. If you are, uh, then, then I'm sure there will be several occasions where we'll kind of hit somewhere in, in what you've read this week as we get into the messages on Sunday. Uh, this one in particular uh, certainly does. So let's bow together in prayer, and then we'll begin reading in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you once again for the opportunity to gather as a church family around your word. Lord, we do invite you in the midst, Lord, just to speak to our hearts. Lord, we pray that You'll use your word tonight to encourage and strengthen our faith. Lord, to teach us and speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to see you in the pages of Scripture as we read through the Bible this year. And I pray, Lord, that it would just put a personal touch to what we believe and what we know about you. I pray that would increase and flourish. I pray that our faith would be strengthened as a result. Lord, and that you would give strength to our lives and and help us, Lord, to, to be courageous as we live for you, as we serve you. Uh, each day in the days ahead. And so we ask you now to bless this time, the reading of your word, and use it tonight to teach and guide us as you see fit. Lord, we pray you'd speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day, or the first day. Excuse me. (laughs) And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to to divide the day from the night, And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night 
and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And this concludes the six days of creation. I want to draw your attention back to verse 1, if I may, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And I want to preach a message tonight simply entitled, In the Beginning. Thank you. You may be seated. I was thinking about beginnings. After this morning's message, thinking about starting the new year. I was thinking about fresh starts and new beginnings and those kind of things. And I, I wondered, what does the Bible say about beginnings? And as I began to, to look at that and to read uh, passages of Scripture, I came back to this. And of course, having just read it recently again, I, I read through chapter 1 as we just did, and I saw some things that I had not seen before. So I guess tonight, what I want to give you is a practical application of Genesis chapter 1 and not a theological interpretation. I, I think we have the theology down. Amen? I'm just looking around at who's here, and I, I think we probably got that. And I'm looking at this message tonight in the beginning. Well, what, what does it say about the beginning? The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that in the beginning, God created. Isn't that a wonderful start to the Scriptures? When we open the first page and read the first words of Scripture, we see some very interesting things about our God. We are introduced immediately to God, to who He is and what He does. And the Bible tells us 
In the beginning, God created. And it's amazing. As we read this first chapter, we see so many wonderful things about God. We see His sovereign power that God is able to make something out of nothing, to speak very things into existence. It is amazing. We see God's creative genius at work. I mean, to know the intricacies of the human anatomy and, and biology. And then, of course, you can take that backwards there and apply that to all living things and the creation that God gave us and to know how intricately everything is made. And yet God so simply just said, let there be. Creative genius. We see his infinite wisdom. For God to speak that in an instant into existence means he already understood how all things work and how they should work together. The New Testament tells us that he created all things, but it also tells us that by him all things consist. So it is our God tonight and his power that hold this universe, this planet that we live on, all of this together. I've got news for the climate crowd tonight, the power of saving the planet is not in your hands. It is in the hands of God where it has always been. And according to the scriptures, until the end of time, God has promised that we would have the same days and seasons and months and years, and, and God is going to continue to keep this planet on track. He's going to take care of this, and we don't have to worry about that. Now, I'm not saying that we could be careless and, and be bad, irresponsible stewards of the planet that God's given us. I'm, I'm not suggesting we should do that. But I am saying tonight, we need not worry that there's going to be some kind of cataclysmic failure because of the industry that we've produced on the earth. That's just not going to happen. God is able to sustain what He's created. And we see this Sovereign power, creative genius, infinite wisdom in, in what God is doing in the very beginning of time. We also see His perfect love. That God is creating His, His creation. God is making all of these things and all of the animals. And then finally, us, all of humanity. We are created in, with the love of God in mind. We could go on and on about the attributes of God and how they are seen in this creation. But as I began to read again the creation story and what God did, I, I saw really for the first time in this way what God did in, in the order that He did it in. And I thought, you know, hey, we could learn from that. Since we're at a new year and since we're at a new beginning, and a place in life where, where we start over. At the beginning of every new year, we're setting new goals. And, and, and we're, you know, we're forgetting how we messed up last year. Maybe we didn't finish our Bible reading schedule. Maybe, maybe we weren't as faithful to church as we'd like to be. Maybe there's some areas in our lives that we'd like to see uh, strengthened and helped. Uh, maybe we'd like to represent the Lord better in some way. Look, all of those kind of things. We look past those and we look to the new year and say, hey, I'm going to do better this year. 
And here we are at the beginning of that. So how do we do better in the next year? How do we make those changes? How do we conquer uh, those things that, that pulled us down in the past? Uh, how do we overcome the, de the defeats of, of last year, of yesterday? As I saw what God did in Genesis chapter 1, I thought, you know, could it be that God recorded it in this way so that you and I could learn something from His method of creation? And maybe tonight we could learn some things that would help us create some of the things that we want to see in our lives and make some of the changes that we want to make. And so with that in mind, let's back up and look at Genesis 1 again. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. But what did He do? How did He create this? Well, I know off the top of my head, I could say tonight, and maybe you're thinking this, well, God just spoke it into existence. And it's not like you and I have the power to speak material things into being. But let's start there. Because the Bible does say in verse 1, does it, does it not? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So first of all, what did God do? God created something. Now I know how he did it. The Bible tells us there are some steps that he took. How did he create? The Bible says in verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so I thought, you know, we could put down as number one that God spoke. God said some things. Now, in the message this morning, you, you realize that I alluded to the fact that we had, that this was a time to choose and that we had to make up our minds about some things. There, there have to be first some decisions made. Obviously, God had decided what he was going to make and how he wanted it to look. He had this in mind when he said, let there be. But I want us to just see the process that's outlined for us here in Genesis chapter 1. The process that God used when he created uh, creation and us also. He spoke. He said, let there be. So our God spoke some things into existence. He made the decision and he made the declaration also at that time. You know, I think for us in our, in our lives, in our structure, in our behavior, I think a lot of it starts with our speech. A lot of it starts with with how we think and, and what we say. And, and listen, tonight, if you just... I know you, some of you are going to think I'm just thinking too hard. But, but this is really a thing right here, okay? Because before you, before you do it, <laughs> you have to think it. Now, if you've never studied this or if you've never heard this before, they do say that when you think about your behavior, it does improve and enhance your behavior. Thinking about something in your mind before you actually do it can help you do it better. As a matter of fact, many athletes use this process, and, and they do. They, they do their drills in their mind. For example, a basketball player that's going to go and work out in the gym, he's going to be shooting those three-point shots. But before he does, he will spend some time meditating, and he will spend some time in his mind imagining those three-point shots. He's going to imagine where he's standing on the floor. He's going to imagine the exact foot placement that he will use on the court. He's going to imagine the feel of the ball. 
He's going to imagine his posture and his stance. He's going to imagine his pose, poise, however you want to say that, as he prepares for the shot. He's going to imagine his release and his, his, his finger position. He's going to imagine the spin that he puts on the ball. He's going to imagine the force and the power that he projects the shot with. He's going to imagine the ball swirling through the air. He's going to imagine that it drops through the hoop. And by doing this over and over in his mind, when he actually goes into the gym and then physically begins to dribble and make those shots, his performance will be enhanced because mentally he's already been there and he's already made the shot. A hundred, maybe a thousand times before his fingers ever gripped the ball. No wonder we see some of what we see on the court. And we watch these guys and go, wow, man, he's good. Oh, yeah, because he's practiced a lot. What are the areas in your life that you want to be good at? If you're really serious about accomplishing something for the Lord, then you have to know tonight that you're going to have to work at it a lot. And that work tonight can begin in your mind. It can begin as you see yourself doing what God wants you to do. See yourself fulfilling those things that you desire. We've been talking about our Bible reading, so I'll use that as an example again. See yourself completing the schedule. See yourself filling out the information for the certificate. Hey, look, if you don't believe that you can accomplish it, then you're not going to put forth the effort that is going to be required to get it done. And you know what? Everything worthwhile in life takes effort. It's work. Nothing good ever comes easy. There's always an amount of work that goes along with the great things we want to achieve in life. And if that's going to be the case, then you and I are going to have to believe that we can do it. We're going to have to see ourselves successful, and then we're going to have to begin to speak that. And so why do we, why do we say it once we've imagined it? We begin to talk that way. We begin to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read my Bible through. Because saying it is committing to it. Saying it is the, the first form of commitment that we use. Verbalizing what we've imagined is our first effort to put it into action. Now, we can't stop there. If we do, we're going to be like what people call the pipe dreamers, you know, the people that, that are all talk and, and no action. You certainly don't want to be that. So we want to imagine what God wants for us, see ourselves doing it. Then we want to say, by the help of God, I'm going to read my Bible this year. You know, the more you say it, the more you believe it. There's something about the human psyche that that, that understands 
And it it is communicated. That commitment is just reinforced when we verbalize what we're imagining. And I see here that God took the time. You know, He could have just thought creation. But the Bible says He spoke it. Let there be, and He gave the word. God spoke it into into existence tonight. And so He made a decision. And tonight, I want us to understand that that's what we have to do. We have to make a decision. We have to be willing to say. We have to be willing to speak up. We have to be willing to commit ourselves first to whatever it is that we're going to attempt to do for God this year. But not only that, the Bible says in verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Notice it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I thought that was interesting. Wasn't it enough for God to say, let there be? And if God can carve out all these things and create them with His words, then why would He move? God is indicating to us, and we see the Lord making effort here. What does this mean? It means He took action. You know, because a moment ago we were saying that if you, that if you don't take action, you're just all talk. And it doesn't matter how many times you imagine it if you're in your head and you can say it out loud, but if you don't ever do it, you're not going to win. So God moves in His creation. He takes action. He gets involved. And I want to show you, it's not just in verse 2. The Bible says that God took action in His creation. He began to do some things, even though He had the power to just speak it so. He got involved. He engaged. Notice in verse, we looked at verse 2. Notice in verse 4. The Bible says there, And God saw the light, that it was good. And then it says, And God divided the light from darkness. That word divided there, that's, that's action. God got involved. He, he engaged with that division and that light and darkness. Look at verse 7. The Bible says there, and God made the firmament. Now in verse 6, He said, let there be a firmament. But in verse 7, we find God, if I could say it like this, putting His hands on it. God is taking action. The Bible says in verse 7, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. He's talking about the open sky. That part he calls heaven, that's the blue sky where the clouds are. It's where the birds fly. You and I call that heaven. It's the first heaven recorded in the Bible. The second heaven, by the way, is where the stars are. It's outer space. That's That's what we call it. It's the second heaven. So the Bible says there are heavens, plural, The first heaven is where the birds fly. The second heaven is where the stars are. It's where NASA plays. The third heaven is where God lives. It's the holy of holies. No birds birds fly that high. And uh, NASA, they don't even know where it is. Where God lives. These are the heavens. But the Bible tells us here that as God is creating space For the first heaven, the firmament, or or the blue sky, it says that He made. So it's using verbiage here to indicate that God is moving. He's taking action. He's getting involved. 
But it's not just verse 2, 4, and 7. Look at verse 16. Again, we find the Bible says, And God made two great lights. So He spoke them in verse 14, but in verse 16, He engages them. He made the, the lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And it says He made the stars also. We see God taking action where He's getting involved in His creation and He's actually doing something with it. So He's not only speaking, it's not all talk, although it could have been. God's talk is action because He can create out of nothing. He need not make any effort. God didn't have to put His hands on anything. But He did. It's interesting, isn't it, how the psalmist talks about all of these things as, and it says that it's God's handiwork. So God is engaging, He's moving, He's taking action in His creation. Look at verse 17. It says, And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. God could have spoke and told them where to go, but it says God set them there. He placed them where He wanted them. You have God taking action. He's moving. He's involved in His creation. Hey, if you want to get something done, if you want to, you want to be successful, if you want to accomplish much in this coming year, then you too are going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to verbally commit yourselves, and you're going to have to take some action. And if you will, then you can. You know, this morning we said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. How do we do it? Well, by putting one foot in front of the other. That's how you make progress. That's how you get there. You, you travel far by traveling first. You, you have to start taking the steps. And we see God doing this so excellently. So God spoke, meaning that He made some decisions and He verbally committed to those and then we see that God took action in His creation. He engaged Himself. And then notice what He did. For lack of a biblical word, I just say that God improved as He made. In other words, God made adjustments along the way. And you're going to have to be willing to do that because, you know, when you start out to accomplish something, I'm going back to my example of reading the Bible, Sometimes it doesn't turn out exactly the way you imagined. And so what do you do? You have to adjust. Like the ball player who imagines himself making every shot, but he goes to the gym and he finds some of them bounce off of the backboard. What does he have to do? Well, maybe he has to adjust his footwork. Maybe he has to adjust his stance. Maybe he has to adjust his strength. He makes adjustments along the way to correct the outcome. I see God doing that in Genesis chapter 1. I see God improving and making adjustments along the way. Look with me if you would, and let's look at example of how God created the light. Look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Hey, okay, we're done, right? But no, God's not done. He's not done with the light. He created it. He did it. But He's now going to make adjustments to what He is seeing. 
He's going to make adjustments to the outcome. Watch this. Look at verse um, 4. The Bible says, And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Well, because guess what? God pronounced and God created light. And what did that do? That created the reality that now there was not only light, but the light pointed out that there was also darkness. And so the Bible says in verse 4 that God divided the light from the darkness. Look at verse 5. Then God labels those two. In verse 3, He's only interested in the light, but now He's looking at both. The Bible says in verse 5, And God called the light day, and the darkness He called what? Night. Look at verse 14. He's not done with the light. The Bible says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So here's another, another development. God's improving. He's tweaking what He's doing and how He's using the light that He created. And now look at verse 16. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So here we see the sun and the moon God is getting a little more specific every time. He started with an idea. He started with a goal. And, and God created light. And then He began to develop it. And then He began to do more with it. And He divided it. And then He labeled it. And, and He kept going until it was just the way He wanted it. Day and night, sun and moon, and the stars. And God said, all right. It's good. You know, I wonder... When you and I set out to do something, we too are going to have to make adjustments along the way. You're not going to do it perfectly the first time. And by the way, anytime you start a new habit, you've got to understand, you're not going to be great at it. Nobody's great at the first thing they do. No public speaker got up the first time they ever gave a speech and did a great job. Now, we might have told them that, being a great encouragement to them and, 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 you know, trying to cheer them on. Boy, we say that was fantastic. But the reality is they have work to do. It's a great beginning. It's a great start. And, and they'll keep working and, and keep learning and growing in, in that effort to become better. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. It'll be the same way. Ladies that, you know, start out, maybe they're newly married and they're going to make their first, first meal at home. Well, guess what? It, it may not be perfect. It may not come out just right. I hope it does, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't. But after years of practice, what happens? More of those recipes get, they get cultivated and they get developed. They get, they get good, right? It gets to the point where people are saying, hey, can I have, a, can I have that recipe? Man, I don't know how you make that, right? And what's really, you know you're good when somebody else copies your recipe and they say it still doesn't come out as good as yours. <laughs> now that usually means something wasn't on the paper or that means there's something, not an ingredient, but part of the process that is unique that's not written down. 
So unless they watch you make it, they're never going to know exactly how you got it to be that good. Tricks of the trade, right? Hey, that comes with practice. God is improving on His own creation because God made adjustments. He developed along the way. And, And look, if our God is willing to do that, if He's willing to start at one point and then continue to work until He gets it the way He wants it, then you know we're going to have to work at it. Amen? It's just something that I see. God could have created it exactly like He wanted it the first time. He could have spoke it exactly into existence with the sun and the moon and the stars already in place, and He would have never had to engage at all. But that's not the way He did it. Do you think tonight, maybe it is. Maybe God left us a little pattern, a little formula. Maybe God's showing us, too, that we're going to have to work at it in order to get there. Certainly, this is a good example for us to follow. And I know Genesis 1 and 2 include examples because God didn't get tired after day 6. He made a day of rest, but that was for us, remember? Not because He needed to rest. But He knew we would. And so He gave us that. Look at the last thing, if you would. God spoke. God took action. God made adjustments along the way. And I want you to see the last thing God did was He saw. Once God created, He went back and He evaluated what He made. He evaluated what He did. Let's look at that. The Bible says in verse 4, And God saw the light, that it was good. Look at verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together thereof, the waters called He seas, and God saw that it, talking about the seas, was good. Verse 12, God saw that it, He's talking about the plants, was good. Look at verse 18. It says, And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. He's talking about the lights, the day and night. Look at verse 21. He's talking about the creatures of the water in verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God saw what he created. What that means is that after he created, he he stepped back And he looked at it. He was evaluating what he had made. I heard somebody say it to me one time like this. Inspect what you expect. Have you heard that before? It's evaluation. We have to evaluate our performance if we ever intend to do better. And we need to evaluate it as we're going. We're coming up on our missions conference. It's about a month and a half away. It's kind of hard to imagine that we're here again because, you know, we had that a year ago. And it almost doesn't seem like it. It's like, wow, again, we're already ready to do this again. But something you don't know is that after we had missions conference a year ago, Brother John and I went down and And we had lunch, and we sat down, and we talked about our missions conference. 
And, and what, what did we do? We evaluated it. And we said, what went well? What did not go well? What can we do better? Is there anything that we're not doing that we should be doing? And we just began to evaluate. And we made a lot of notes that day. And I'm sure this year, we won't do everything just right. We'll evaluate after this conference and we'll, we'll come away with some notes again. But you know, we had some ideas that we want to start implementing. And that is how you make change. You know, the reason why people fail and fail and fail in their life and they, they keep getting the same results, it's because they keep doing the same things. And if you don't evaluate the process and make adjustments along the way, as we just said that God was doing, then you're going to keep putting forth the same effort and you're going to keep getting the same results. So you have to be willing to evaluate. You have to be willing to go back and, and look with fresh eyes. Isn't it interesting? You know, we need to do that as a church. I want to challenge you with something. The next time you come to church, next, next Sunday, let's say, all right, I'll give you a whole week to prepare for this. Next Sunday, when you pull in the parking lot, I want you to imagine that you're a first-time visitor. All right? Now, I want you to do that before you pull in. So that when you swing into the parking lot, I want your eyes to see the church as a brand-new first-time visitor. I want you to think about what you see. Now, if you're able to accomplish that, you'll see some things that you may not have ever seen before. Come in the building as a first-time visitor. What do you see? You know what happens is we just get in a rut. We get in a routine. We get used to everything the way it is. And then after a while, guess what? There are things that we just don't see anymore. And throughout the years of ministry, my wife and I have been in several places where we've been able to help churches get better and grow and do more because we came in with those fresh eyes and it allowed us to evaluate. And we were able to see what was being done and what was not being done. And we're able to make some adjustments because many of the people that were there just weren't seeing it. They just weren't seeing it. We served at a church just to, just to give an example, we served at a church that, that had a member that, that, that uh, wished well, right? He was trying to do good for the church, and he did. He planted those pear trees. I mean, they were all around, you know, the, the, the church building. And you come into the entrance, the driveway off of the road, and I mean, you had trees on both sides. By the time we got there, though, the trees had grown up and they were flourishing and they were beautiful. But they were so beautiful, that's all you could see. And coming around, you get to a certain angle, you can't even see the name of the church because the trees are in the way. And the trees are all you see as you go by. You couldn't read the church sign. 
You couldn't hardly see the building. You could see the building sticking up above the trees. And they were wondering, how come people don't come visit us? Well, maybe because they don't know what you are. All they see is a building back here. And if people don't know what you are, guess what? They're not coming. And so we began to work on that, and we began to look at that and say, hey, what do you think about taking out some of these trees? We can't take trees out. Oh, no, brother so-and-so planted those. Well, we can't. So we had to really work on that. Introduce the idea. Look, hey, look, what if we just took out a, a couple of trees? Well, maybe a couple. Look, what if we just took out in this one row, what if we just took out every other tree so that you can see between them? Where people would at least know this building back here is a church. Maybe that would be good. What do you think about that? And then how about, you know, on the front lawn right here, what if we take these big trees out on the front lawn where you can actually see the doors and the entrance and the life and the people, you know, from the road? That would be good. Well, I guess we could do that. And sure enough, once we thinned that out a little bit where you could kind of see through there, it began to create some new excitement about what was going on at the church and people began to realize, oh yeah, I, I can see now. And they didn't even realize before what they couldn't see. Well, I don't tell you why. It's because they never evaluated what was going on. And so because of that, they had blind spots. They had blinders on. They could only see certain things. And, you know, we get like that in our life. And sometimes that's why we keep failing over and over. Sometimes, listen, that's why we talk ourselves into believing, I can't, I can't do it. And we tell ourselves, well, I can't serve the Lord. I, I can't read the Bible through. I can't, I can't teach a Sunday school class. I can't present the gospel to someone. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. Maybe not, but you can learn. It's not that hard. And so as we begin to evaluate, we begin to see more of what's going on, sometimes what's not going on. And when we do, then we know what adjustments to make. So I look at Genesis chapter 1, and I'm just inspired. I'm like, man, not only did God create everything wonderfully made, the Bible specifically tells us that God created the world and everything in it, and we know the origin of everything now. Amen? So you're either going to believe in God or you're going to believe in man. You're going to believe that everything came about of its own will in, in some freak of nature in this, in this uh, you know, what do they call that? This, this soup, right? Where these molecules got together and hatched life. Humanism is all that is. Or you're going to believe what the Bible says. That God created the world that now is. You know, we would not know these things without the Bible. This is what we call revelation in the Scriptures. God has revealed to us something that we wouldn't know otherwise, and that is how it all began. God tells us in His Word. 
And while we read about God and how He got everything started, we are also learning ourselves some things that you and I need to do when we're trying to get things started in our life. We need to make a decision. We need to not only imagine ourselves doing whatever that is, but we need to, we need to say it often and say it to ourselves. You know, they say that, that when you read something out loud, specifically the Bible, there's something about reading it and also speaking it and hearing, hearing the truth of God's Word that reinforces it. God's created He did that through His voice. And then we see that God moved. He took action into that creation. And you know, we need to take action in certain areas. We need to be intentional with our actions. We need to follow through and put in the work. God then improved. He made adjustments along the way. And we were just talking about how He got a little more specific and a little more specific as He began to work with the light that He created. And we see in the end what He developed out of that. And then lastly, we see here that God saw. It tells us and gives us the image and the the impression that God looked back over everything that He created. Because over and over again, as God created things, it says, and God saw that it was good. It means He was evaluating what He created. And He was determining that it was good. He could stop there. So, friend, look, you and I, we need, to, we need to check up. We need to evaluate. We need to make sure that we're putting in the work and making the adjustments along the way. And we need to evaluate that it's working. And when it's not, we need to keep trying, keep tweaking, and keep, keep, keep putting in the effort and the work to make it so. So I ask you tonight, what is it that you want to create or change? What do you want to accomplish for God this year? I believe we have a little formula here in how to get that done. God, our God, laid it out for us. He's teaching us what we have to do. The work that has to go into what we want to make in life. You know, when you talk to anybody that's been around a while, they'll tell you, nothing good ever comes easy. They'll tell you things like, talk is cheap, right? And they'll give you a little lesson on that elbow grease and how it works to lubricate life and bring about those good things that you're trying to achieve. All of that, I believe, is highlighted for us in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. And you know, if you and I, if we want to serve God and do well, then let's, let's copy his, his lesson and let's put in the work. Let's do what God showed us to do so that we can make come to pass what God has called us to do in our lives. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you for the example that you set for us. We thank you, Lord, for the lesson in accomplishment. And we pray that you would help us to see how these things will lead us to achievement. Lord, they certainly worked as you implemented them, and they can work as we do as well. And so we ask you, Lord, to lead us and guide us, to strengthen us, to help us, Lord, to be focused, to be specific, and to be committed to the things that you're putting on our hearts to do for you this coming year. May it be a good year, a fruitful year, as we look ahead. Help us, Lord, in all these things, 
to achieve what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.